I can tell I'm an old loser now because I, whenever I'm at a bar and talking to the bartender for more than a second, I really desperately want to work in that I used to be a bartender. <laughs> I don't usually do it because it's like, okay, when I was working in a bar. Um, but I always want to do it. Yeah. Like badly. You're like, I know. I'm like, I, I was this brawless once as well. Yeah. It's me, Lauren, the host of Cavern of Secrets, a show about extraordinary women, for extraordinary women, and all other extraordinary people. (laughs) We're still doing the podcast. Uh, It's still happening. It's still called Cavern of Secrets. I'm here still. We're here still. Welcome. Today, we have a very exciting conversation that I had with uh, my dear friend, Monica Heisey. Uh, Monica is a super accomplished woman. I'm going to list her credits and then you are going to feel like you haven't done anything with your life. (laughs) Just kidding. That's just how I feel. Uh, Monica has written a book called I Can't Believe It's Not Better. Uh, She has written for TV shows such as Schitt's Creek, Working Moms, Baroness Von Sketch, She is a wonderful comedian and writer who has written for all sorts of places, including broadly the New York, the New Yorker, like I don't so many places. I didn't look any of them up, but those are the two I can think of off the top of my head. Um, Monica is just an all around funny and warm, wonderful individual. And I had a lot of fun during this conversation as I have fun during most of our conversations on or off a microphone. You're probably a horse girl though, right? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Only a little bit. I was, you know that good tweet that's like, everyone's talking about horse girls, but the real psychos of the middle school uh, niche interest groups were the Greek mythology girls. <laughs> Boom, I was both, baby. Oh. Ugh. Yeah, I was more of a Greek mythology girl than a horse girl. My parents' definition of um, what a life skill is is very Jane Austen like we cross stitched a lot just an insane amount of like reading by by a brook kind of (laughs) really cool have we started is this it yeah we're doing it I'm a bad millennial and I don't um listen to podcasts my friend's joke is that I'm on more podcasts than I've ever listened to in my life. My nightmare with podcasts is that they feel so informal, Mm -hmm. but then people treat them like you've given an interview to the New York Times and they quote you afterwards (laughs) and they're searchable forever. Like I think Who Weekly, my friend Lindsay, who is a host of and creator of Who Weekly was saying that she, the best dirt, like the worst dirt is always in like a little known podcast before someone got super famous. Mm -hmm. When they were speaking much more candidly, maybe they're not media trained yet. Yeah, 100%. Uh, not that I'm ever going to be at a level where people are combing through podcasts I've been on. Yeah. No one cares. Yeah. But, <laughs> and I pray they never will. Yeah, 100%. But it's still stressful and it's important to remember. What, how did this come back? How okay, did you get back to here? Interview me. I'm curious. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm curious. Um, well, I'm, you know, I've been trying to do it for a while, but I always knew I wanted to work with Katie and Vicky, who are Katie's here. She's Hell our, yeah. She's our audio bitch. I mean, did you know 
making a podcast takes work and <laughs> I'm a dumbass who doesn't know anything about editing. <laughs> um, but I was really excited. I did want my first guest back to be like a friend of mine who I actually know. Last time we were here, mm-hmm. we were trying to figure this out. It was three or four years ago. It was definitely 2015. 2015. So that's like four years ago. Yeah. Let's call her even and say four, you know. Let's say four full, full years. And they have been full. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What was happening in our lives four years ago? You are writing for Baroness. Mm-hmm. You were probably writing for Schitt's Creek at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, your book had just come out. Mm-hmm. You were just being a great person. Oh, that's nice. I was trying very hard. 2015 was a very busy year in my life. I, I Looking back now, because in 2015, I was 26. I got married. I put out a book. I was super, super junior in a bunch of, of really amazing writing rooms. And I wasn't as scared as I should have been of any of it, (laughs) Um, which is maybe good, but also what the hell? I didn't feel confident at the time, but I must have have been pretty confident to just stride boldly into all of those opportunities. I mean, like as someone who's known you for a while, to me, you've always been, to me, you've always been successful. Like the first time I met you, to now and you're like even more successful and more beautiful oh and more stunning um, but like so it's interesting to me that someone who I think of as like a very confident very successful very smart like person who I respect a lot is like sitting back thinking about times in your life where you've had that success and you're like oh what what the fuck was that <laughs> <laughs> the concept of confidence is something that as I'm getting older I'm understanding that I feel like it must just be something like I'm not sure confidence is real. I feel like it's only something that we're projecting onto other people and really people maybe that we see as confident just have things that we would like to have or seem to have things that we would like to have because I feel like the more people I've gotten to know who I've been like, whoa, what must it be like to be them? They probably have like no problems or anyone that I even just think is like, really killing it professionally and they must never worry, you know, everyone has more or less has the same worries. And I've had people say to me, like, you know, when we first met, I was really intimidated by you. And that used to bum me out mm-hmm. um, because I'd be like, it's not my fault that you have weird feelings <laughs> about, a, a, I don't know, a, a thing I'm on my resume or something that has nothing to do with me as a person mm-hmm. or you know, if you had a, were bullied by someone with red hair in middle school <laughs> or whatever, you know, I don't like that thing of when I met you, I was really intimidated by you. I try to avoid saying it to other people, but I have experienced it as well. And it's always been from people that I've um, thought had something cool going on that I want to know how they did it. But I don't think anyone's really like, I'm, I'm doing it. Yeah. I don't think anyone feels that way. Maybe they feel that way fleetingly, you know, right after you sign a big contract or someone cool asks you out or you have a little one of you know life's nice little victories Mm -hmm. but that doesn't last forever it's why people are constantly misunderstanding each other and freaking out I think yeah I think I think you're right and I think as well like I think the thing is like shit that happens to other people actually has nothing to do with you and a lot of times like people aren't really checking for you as well I've definitely had that I've also had people 
say to me like months into a friendship like oh you like scared me when we first met or I found you really intimidating and like but don't you think they just meant like you're funny and charming and you have a lot of friends you know what I mean yeah I do I do think that and I think it's like I'm I'm a loud person I'm like not aggressive is maybe not the right word but I think I like again it's a confidence thing it's like what people presume as confidence so maybe some people feel I've always assumed that maybe some people just feel weird when they get into a group of new people and I just throw myself against a wall and I'm like, well, hey, like, I may as well talk to you because like, well, you know what I mean? Whatever. So I feel like that like intimidates people and people have like, I don't know, I think you and I are kind of similar in the way that we don't really have stage fright or I like I don't really get nervous talking to people or talking in front of people. But I think that loudness, too, is an interesting thing that people really latch on to as a sign of confidence, because often when I'm being loudest is when I feel least confident and I find I end up doing this weird like clown thing where I like am self-deprecating to a point that even in the moment for myself feels bad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are you doing? You don't think you're an idiot goon? Like, why are you putting on a barrel and dancing for yeah. these people and you, you walk know? away like everyone fucking hated me yeah or like, like oh i was really embarrassed yeah i was too much too whatever yeah so i think it's like both sides of that coin as well i think everyone's everyone's sort of trying and not sure they're doing it right yeah also like i guess the older i've gotten the maybe less confident i've gotten but also i just like don't give as much of a fuck you know yeah I call it haha. Who cares? Yeah. Um, so when we last talked, is that 20... the title of your next book? <laughs> it's like the title of my life philosophy. Uh, when we last talked, I was getting married, and then uh, in the interim time, I've also gotten divorced, and it was really difficult and painful. But one thing that it gave me was that I was so sad. I was just very heartbroken that it didn't work, and it led to this wonderful freedom of these little these little petty preoccupations that had taken up a lot of my time in my early to mid 20s I just didn't I was very haha who cares about all of that stuff if mm-hmm. someone was rude to me at a party it was like oh okay and it was nice to be free of that it was a very unpleasant way to find out that none of that stuff mattered I mm-hmm. wish I could have just come to that realization um without like a sort of dramatic life event as the catalyst, but I'm I really treasure being able to be like that now. I I care a lot less about things, mm-hmm. but in a way that feels good. And I think when I was younger, I couldn't have imagined caring less would be positive. I have to tell you, like, when you got divorced, it was really sad. But I was, like, saying my friend Monica a divorcee. I was like, I feel like Monica's a good name for a divorcee. Honestly, it's unbelievable to me that I was ever not divorced. I was having... Hard agree, actually. I was having a martini with a friend of mine in in London, like, right after we had broken up. And I was, like, smoking a cigarette and holding a martini in one hand (laughs) and being like, da-da-da-da, my divorce. And he was like, honestly... (laughs) You seem like you were born divorced. <laughs> like, <laughs> like being actually divorced is the most legitimate thing that's happened to your brand ever. ever. Yeah, ever. And he's right. Yeah, this is another book. Yeah. 
like divorce to divorcee. I know someone one, who's using the hashtag for her personal journey that she's really sharing online a lot. Divorcee to divorce, yay. So. Oh my fuck, how did I not get there? It pisses me off when I don't get to these <laughs> kinds of things. Um, I think maybe you have to be going through it. It has yeah. to be your lived experience. Like my culture is yeah. not your costume. <laughs> Um, divorcier to yeah, rosé with the girlies. Um, um oh God, I can't wait to be divorced. It's it's okay. Does anyone want to get married just to get divorced? I actually think it's nice to be divorced now because there is a lot of pressure on women in their early thirties to be really long term committed partner. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's going to weddings all the time. Yeah. And I think there is this sense of like, well, just do it. Everyone's doing it. Now's the time to do it. Why aren't you doing it? And it's nice to kind of have sidestepped that pressure yeah. by. Because I'm a divorce. Having kind of like done it too early and then jumped out of it. Yeah. No, that is nice. You kind of just like shatter your own glass ceiling of expectations. Mm, yeah. In a way, the very emotionally difficult thing was only good. <laughs> I mean. It do be like that sometimes. It it do be like that. Yeah, is this what therapy's like? Yeah, this is what it's like in therapy. <laughs> Your therapist just says it do be like that sometimes Conf- over and over again until yeah. you're like, I feel better now. I keep writing my therapist into shows that I write, work on. <laughs> I've named two different therapist characters, Dr. Leslie. She's, I don't think she's a doctor. I think she's um like yeah, a, yeah. a registered therapist, yeah. a counselor. Um but I and her first name is Leslie, not her last name. Mm-hmm. But I've I work in moms. There's a couple therapists named Dr. Leslie in season three. <laughs> and this season of Baroness, there's a scene about seeing your therapist in public. Yeah. Um, and what what do you do? And uh, her name is Dr. Leslie in that as well. And uh, I keep I know she watches both the shows. And I, I want her to mention it so bad. Oh, my God. But I know that if I mention it, we'll have to talk about why I did it. Yeah. And I don't want to. <laughs> but I just really want her to notice. Because she's been so important in my life. I love her. So uh, You're a very good ther- therapy student. You're very good at getting therapy, Monica. Thank you. That's all I'm ever trying to hear. There is that I keep feel I feel like I'm that boring person who's like, did you see on Twitter? But someone else made that good joke that was like my dream situation in therapy. And it's like my therapist, congratulations on another session. Here's an A. Something it's possible to achieve in therapy and what you should be striving for. And I was like, Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. I get that. I just want to be told what to do. That's why I like spin class. It's why I assume I would enjoy like, like seeing a dominatrix. It's why I like Virgos, you know, it's why I like therapy. It's why I, I'm a good employee. I just want to be told what to do. I love, I love in clear instructions. Yeah. And I'm, I'm doing a lot of developing right now and production companies will really say like, we don't want to limit you. You're the creative. And in theory, all of that's very nice. But I'm like, I feel like that episode where school closes and Lisa Simpson is like jumping around in front of Marge being like, Grade me, please. Grade me. I'm also good and ever so smart. Please just grade me. And Marge has to write an A on a piece of paper and give it to her. Like, I don't feel like I can reasonably, and I guess this is why I'm having a, a tough go writing a second book kind of in theory, mm-hmm. because there's no deadlines, no clear expectations. I There's nothing with my own internal voice 
when I'm writing something or working on something to tell me if I'm going in the right direction. And I guess really I should trust myself more and not be stressed out about that. But I am stressed out about that. And I, I'm much more interested in jumping off of someone else's starting point. Yeah. Well, luckily for you today, we got two books out the door. Boom. Done. Yeah. Haha. Who cares? Haha. Who cares? And what's the second one? Um, The, the one about the, the, the divorcee, the divorcee. But we got we to gotta find something different than that. Yeah. 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 It's just such a disaster to write one book because then if you say I'm writing an, an, a second book, everyone believes you. Because you already wrote. And like, you don't have to show them anything. You can just say you're doing it and no one checks. And then you, it's just you and your Google Doc. <laughs> That's I've had some dark afternoons looking at that google doc of i like it's i open it and i'm like no one asked for this no one will <laughs> ask for this if i just put it away it's very weird to write something and hope that a hundred thousand words later it was a use a good use of your time yeah that's crazy man and like i think you're right too because like so many people i know in my life like i've known a lot of writers would be like i'm working on a book and i'm like cool but like until <laughs> but I also know people who've actually like published books mm-hmm. and that I'm like, oh damn. Yeah. Like you wrote a whole book and then went through the editing process and then it got published. Like and once you do that, people are like, oh no, 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 that person's writer. They write books. Mm-hmm. They wrote one book, so how what's uh what's the second book, you know? Yeah, but it's all but, it's like, all different kinds of books and yeah. you know, you ideally I feel like it's that thing of like, you know, the pop musician always does the first album and then the second album they have to cut their hair and dye brown and it has to be more serious mm-hmm. and deal with the theme of growing up yeah because they're 18 now <laughs> and i feel like that's me now but i i don't i'm i'm nervous about cut cutting it <laughs> it's a good metaphor and it actually um works yeah if you think about it I, and there's I mean, gonna be more where that came from in the book if any publishers are listening <laughs> you're in your your avril lavigne sophomore album yeah you know get it or like when they sing the song about how famous cage yeah i feel like that's a really important part of a pop star's growth you know i will say i have found a good product for being a fat bitch in the summer please tell me what it is um mega babe do you know that company no why is it always called stuff like that it's always called like enormous goddess. Yeah. And I'm like, no, just be normal for one second. We just sort of like makeup company called Big Naturals. <laughs> <laughs> and like <laughs> everything's just shaped like tits. Yeah. So what's this product? Um, it's they make this like uh shit you can rub between your thighs, mm-hmm. but it's very nice. It's like essential oils and like you know what i mean it like doesn't smell weird and it's like it fucking works like i'm not i don't like to shill for shit but like we take a sponsorship but also like that shit is good and i had a balm from lush Mm -hmm. that i got for the same purpose but i didn't like it because on lush products they say on there's a picture on the bottom of the Mm -hmm. person who made the product i know and it was this man named brandon and he had big ear spacers and every time i was putting my fucking (laughs) thigh chafe cream on Brand, I just pictured Brandon being like, good for you. And Brandon's like, you, you do whatever you need. It's hot out. And yeah, I was like, was like, shut up, Brandon. His weird earplugs are like sweating and they smell really bad. Oh, I bet it does smell like a belly button in there. Yeah, that's exactly what it smells like. You're known some of the earplugs. Maybe it's like disgusting. No, like that. But then also, oh my God. I wrote a, a sketch about this for Baroness this year um, because I was going to New York for a weekend and I had like a Ziploc bag full of 
different creams and and gels and ointments and whatever. And like it was the summer. So I had more than usual. I had like a sunscreen. I had like a rose water misting thing in like a travel bottle. Mm -hmm. But so this shit is taking up real estate in the bag. Mm -hmm. And I got to the front. I only had carry on because I'm only going for a weekend. And I got to the front of the line and the woman was like, there's too much stuff in here. And I was like, oh, I thought that was enough. Okay, well, I guess we can get rid of some stuff. And I was going to throw my sunscreen or something. Mm -hmm. And then she picked up and the the tube for this like anti-chafe gel Mm -hmm. was quite large. (laughs) And it also said monostat on it. So she said, kind of quietly, but also holding it up in front of the line. Is this medicine? Do you need this? (laughs) And I was like, no. And then I was like, what are my options? It's like, no, it's not an enormous container of yeast infection cream. It's for my thighs that are rubbing together. Like there's no, I was like, just please just throw it out. And she was like, well, if you say it's medication, you can keep it because we can give you back. And then I was like, what is my dignity? Is my dignity worth $8.99 or whatever I paid for this tube? I was like, I'm begging you to throw it out. Please just throw it. Please throw it out. Please, ma'am. And so since then, I haven't replaced it. And it's been a summer of wearing bike shorts, which feels kind of frumpy and I don't love it. Yeah. Also, then you're just like, to me, it's like you get the additional like, there's so much more sweat. Yeah. It's, it's all a little like, swampy. Yeah it's, yeah. yeah. it's cool, though, that it's a problem. <laughs> I love to have it as a problem. It feels sort of elegant and like. The fact that, you know, like going for a walk that's 20 minutes longer than anticipated on a day that's like five degrees hotter than anticipated has like a physical ramification like that's tight yeah, for a, me. Yeah, I, I personally love it. Where I'm standing, that's yeah, top three fave bits of summer. Yeah. When you've given your when you've given yourself a rash. Mm, just a little rash like a baby would have from a diaper but yeah. on your mm. adult body. That's what I like to have. Have you ever had to buy, like, I've had to buy, like, zinc oxide for, no. like, that. Oh, yeah. Mine doesn't quite get that My bad. My skin is very sensitive. I'll, honestly, I will full waddle before that's a yeah. thing. Oh, no. I was, like, straight up, like, in the, I'm like, yeah, I have kids. <laughs> <laughs> in the section of shoppers where I'm like. You don't know. They don't even sell zinc oxide in any way other than, like, this is for a baby's diaper rash. Mm. You're like, fuck me. Oh, I know that. I know what you're talking about, but I only know it from, yeah, being a baby. Yeah, from being a baby. (laughs) Well, you're moving to London, England. That's That's right, mate. (laughs) In it, bruv. Mm. Yeah, you actually do a good British accent. Mine just devolves into Australian. Only North American people tell me that. Why London, England? Why not Los Angeles or New York City or even somewhere else? Well, Los Angeles and New York City are in America. Yeah, a terrifying place to be uh, sure. I don't know if... In the last couple of years, things have really gotten intense there. Mm-hmm. It was a little intense. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you checked out a little thing called the news, <laughs> the news. Don't it's know not even... going amazing yeah. in America. Yeah. So I have spent some. Okay, but like I also been following the news about London. England. Yeah, it's not going amazing in London, England either, <laughs> and it's not going amazing in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> I would say it's going uh, the least amazing in America. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. In a way that. Um, makes me think I can squeeze a couple nice years out of England before it's fully on fire in the same way. It does seem like it is heading towards the same kind of 
xenophobic, anti-immigrant, like anti-intellectual. I mean, Boris Johnson's an yeah. idiot. But also, I mean, over the course of Brexit, they've lost what this is their third prime minister now yeah, that they have for breakfast. Shit. Brexit? Breakfast. Breakfast. Very good. <laughs> Can't wait. Let me in. <laughs> um, so yes, America is like the largest framing flaming trash pile. It's and a like- large flaming trash pile. There's a lot of money burning on that trash pile, mm-hmm. but I I've been thinking a lot about just the kind of life that I want mm-hmm. for myself. And I I love the comedy they make in England. I loved I've I've lived in, in London before um for four years and I really enjoyed my life there. And um I'm hoping that I can make the same kind of living doing the same sort of like occasionally writing for newspapers and magazines mm-hmm. and writing for TV shows and um, once in a while kind of doing some reading and performing and whatever. Um, I'm hoping I can do that at, at around the same level in, in England. And then I guess the dream would be to kind of level up and have my own kind of show um, over there. I mean, I understand the the inclination to not move to America. Yeah. The gun thing, the healthcare thing, the president thing, the racism. I mean, yeah. there, there was racism everywhere, yeah. but you're yeah. not going to escape racism by moving to England. Yeah. But- <laughs> the original racist. <laughs> yeah. They've never done anything racist. Um- I don't think my father, the inventor of racism. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, all my favorite shows, like all my favorite shows are, are British comedies. So I just want to go over there and be like, please. Please. Please, here I am. But it was so bad to get the visa to go over there. You have to, um, it's like an O one visa for the States. So mm-hmm. it's like exceptional talent or something. Dumb. That's you, girl. But I had to put together a little binder to like prove it. Aww. And so I got letters from, from some very kind friends um, to say that I was good at my job. But then I also had to um, compile like press and like uh evidence just general evidence so i but i didn't have a printer no one has a printer and all the also all the internet cafes are closed now so it's a very hard thing to if you don't work in an office where you can print for free on the sneak which is what i usually do straight up what i learned when i got laid off yeah it's no more free printing for lauren there's no and there's nowhere to do the printing for love or money Mm -hmm. so i was at the post office and they had a printer so there was a big long line at the post office and I was at the front of it printing photos of myself winning awards <laughs> and like <laughs> just like the most, like it's just for and me putting them, yeah. and like gluing them into a binder and then highlighting my name in the article about the award just it was like scrapbooking uh, at the post dark. office like I don't know what kind of day they thought I was having but uh I was like, if I don't, if I get rejected for this visa after this, <laughs> I swear to God, <laughs> it was really rough. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, I love that image of you scrapbook about yourself, like making a serial killer scrapbook about yourself in the fucking post office. It's yeah. beautiful. And the perhaps the most Canadian thing possible is that I I had to say like I won this award, and then I had to. They have a list of awards that you can win or mm-hmm. equivalent. Yeah, and I had to say Canadian Screen Award is. Emmy equivalent for oh. Canada. So sad. No, Just put it on your list. It's yeah. real. Also, it's like, is it equivalent to the Emmy? <laughs> for our country? You guys, you ever had to move? <laughs> is this relatable? Is this thing on? Um... <laughs> 
I don't know if you guys live in Toronto or any other fucking metropolitan city in this gosh darn North American hemisphere zone, but it is like a nightmare to move anywhere. I just like, I'm probably gonna have to move in the next like, let's say six months I'm gonna have to move. And I'm already feeling like a very large surge of anxiety. And the thing is like, I've lived in Toronto for, this is my 10th year living in Toronto. I have lived in, let wait, let me count. One, two, three, four, five. I'm living in my sixth apartment in Toronto in nine years total. I mean, we moved once when I was a kid. We moved from the house that we lived in until I was seven. Then we moved into another house and that's just where I lived until I moved out. It never occurred to me that like in my adult life, I would move at least every two years, like at the very least. And that is a fucking insane way to live your life. And it does not help that it is an absolute nightmare to rent in Toronto because there's like a lot of people here and the way that it works here is that instead of building like nice affordable housing they just build condos that normal people can't afford anyways so like if you're me and you have a day job and you like make money that's like that's not even enough like it's not even enough that i'm like regularly employed and get a paycheck it's like i can't afford to live in any of the fucking six hundred thousand condos that get built every fucking day here fuck like they don't want me to live in any of those buildings. What is like, they clearly don't like, what is it to, for, you know, for homeless people or for people who are low income or for people who, you know, don't have a regular job. Like I just can't even, moving is stressful for me. And I am just like a employed normal, well not normal. I'm very, very not normal. Um, I'm just like an employed white lady. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I have a cat. She isn't, she's not gonna fuck shit up. She's 20 years old. What's she gonna do? She sleeps all day. So I just like, it is such a fucking nightmare and I can't believe I've gone through it 8,000 times and I have to go through it again. And like, do you guys, again, anyone have any leads on the permit? <laughs> Please email, you know, email Katie and she'll send them to me. <laughs> um, yeah, please, please help. <laughs> That was my conversation with Monica. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, we had a great time. Great times were had by all. <laughs> well, that's it for me here in the Cavern of Secrets. This show was executive produced by Katie Jensen, and our producer is Ellen Payne-Smith. Our theme music is by Bianca Giulione, and our show artwork is by Nick Ilozada. Thanks to Sarah Daniel and Vicky Mochama for their editorial support. And as always, big fucking shout out to Anshman Itamsede, my OG producer. Uh, if you're in Toronto, come to our live show. It's on October 27th. We've got great guests, Kyrell Grant, Marlo Granados, and Mary H.K. Choi, plus more. You can buy tickets online now. And you can follow us at Cavern of Secrets uh, on Twitter. I'm Internet Lauren. Please subscribe, share, and leave a review. We did it. <laughs>